And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. It is the moment. Hello and welcome to Kickoff, the official Football New South Wales competitions podcast talking all things NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales leagues. My name is Teo Pelizzeri and I'm joined again by my co-host Henley Warner. Henley, it's great to see you again. How are you, Teo? What's been happening? Uh, a lot. Very, <laughs> very busy. We are recording this in the midst of the FIFA Women's World Cup and it, uh, I think, has just enhanced everything that's going on in football in the state at the moment. I imagine that everyone who's playing or spectating or involved in the game just has that extra spring in their step. How are you feeling about, uh, well, it should be the middle of winter, it should be gloomy, but I don't think anyone's feeling like that at the moment. No, I feel like I'm in a bit of like a World Cup fever at the moment. It's been great. I've been down for a few games and we've got some semifinals and finals tickets as well coming up. I think it's just been a really um, wholesome kind of energy being going on at the moment with the Women's World Cup. And yeah, I'm really excited to see where the rest of the tournament it goes to be honest how about you well uh, i think it's it's gonna have a flow-on effect to what we see in our football new south wales competitions as well and hopefully inspiring and motivating a lot of people at the moment and i think that leads us quite nicely into what's on because it's not just the world cup that's the only trophy on offer uh in the next couple of weeks so henley tell us about what's going on no you're definitely right there so we have the 2023 cup competitions they're approaching their final rounds so we've got the australia cup we want to wish the best of luck to our four football new south wales reps we have sydney united inter lions arpia leichhardt and the mount druitt town rangers in their round 32 matches and that's going to be taking place all across the country. I can tell you that uh, I'll actually be commentating Sydney United's game away at Broadmeadow Magic in Newcastle for uh, 10 play. Uh, in fact, I think that one might even be on 10 bold. But I, I know that uh, Arpia Leichhardt going down to Victoria, Mount Druitt Town Rangers got a home game and Interlions delighted to be flying north to warmer weather in the middle of winter. So I'm fascinated by those, but uh, certainly looking forward to seeing Sydney United and their trip up the motorway to Newcastle. Well, look out for a junior Warner. He'll be going up there as well for his first ever Australian Cup, so keep an eye out for him. I, I will wait and see. You just <laughs> never know when he might uh, have to get subbed on. And then we've also got um, in in the New South Wales uh, Football Cup competitions, got RPL Leichhardt have qualified for the inaugural Sapphire Cup final, and they now await for their opponents. While in the Waratah Cup, Sydney United have made it back-to-back finals. However, we'll look to go one better this year. Waiting to deny them once again will be Arpia Leichhardt, who are chasing an unprecedented cup double. It's always a great occasion, the Waratah Cup final. And now that it's first past the post in New South Wales NPL, the Waratah Cup probably takes on even greater significance. And I think that's been reflected in the strength of the teams that have made it through to the final four. It is, it is good to see Inter Lions did make it to the semi-finals of the Waratah Cup, but uh, they have uh, fallen by the wayside. And uh, unlike Northwest Sydney Spirit, who won it as a second division team last season, uh, this season we're going to have teams from the top flight playing off in the finals. So it's a, always a, a special day, and I think this year it takes on some heightened significance. Well, hey, we've just got to stay tuned to the Football New South Wales website and the social channels for the cup final information as it becomes available. All right, let's get into our moment of the month because there's been so much going on in NPL New South Wales and also the League One competitions. Henley, I'll give you first crack. I promised you we would not have the same moment of the month, so 
Let me know. What's yours? Um, well, mine was actually down at Lambert Park. We had Arpia taking on NWS Spirit earlier in the month. Like That was in like first few things of July. Um, and it was for our NPL women's. Uh, Arpia came away with a 3-0 victory over Spirit, and it was absolutely insane crowds and scenes there for the women's. It was such a great – like lead up to the World Cup as well. It's kind of got us all in the bit of the feels for it. Um, even the younger girls that were there for Arpia, like there was all there, like, you know, you're under 12s, like the younger generation coming up and watching their role models play and seeing the smiles on their faces of absolute delight. They were on cloud nine when these girls scored. For example, I remember there was a penalty that was taken and they scored it, obviously, and it, everyone went berserk. Like it was such a great atmosphere to be a part of and, you know, hopefully more to come from Arpia this season. But what about you? What moment for the month? Uh, it is definitely the relegation battle for me in the men's NPL. At the moment, uh, Bulls Academy look like they are running out of chances, but that promotion relegation playoff spot is starting to do funny things to teams down in the bottom four or five of the ladder. I haven't been at or commentating many of these games. I was at uh, Sydney Olympic for their comeback from 2-0 down to draw 3-all with uh, Mount Druitt Town Rangers at the weekend, and, and that sort of consequence for a loss. And they're probably going to be safe now, Sydney Olympic. I wouldn't think they're going to fall into the bottom two from here. But it, it's, you can just tell the stakes are being raised. And I've got to give credit to Will Constantinidis, who's been doing uh, some commentary of teams like Sutherland and Western Sydney Wanderers uh, in that relegation battle down at the foot of the ladder. Uh, he's had some pretty dramatic games in the last month. And also Nicholas Kutniak, who had uh, Manly United springing to safety and, and mathematically uh, almost locking themselves into the division by beating Arpia Leichhardt at the weekend before we're recording this podcast. So I just think that a lot of teams were kind of looking over their shoulder knowing that Western Sydney Wanderers being an A-League Academy team could still bring back some A-League players. And Dylan Perias, who they signed from Western United, more, 100 games experience in the A-League men's, he played NPL at the weekend. So what it says to me is that Western Sydney Wanderers are desperately trying to avoid finishing in the bottom two and going into that playoff. And it means that the likes of Sutherland and Mount Druitt Town Rangers in particular are now looking over their shoulders. So there's nothing quite like a relegation battle. It's it's one of my favourite things about the NPL, regardless of what state it is. And it's going to go down to the wire, I imagine, once again this season. I reckon. So, Henley, we've got some fascinating guests coming up. It's always nice to talk to the players and the stars of the NPL New South Wales competition. So let's get in to our first guest. Day after day, Kappa rewrites the concept of sportswear. Kappa means teamwork, past, present, and future. Kappa never stops. Because winning starts within. Two people, one brand. Kappa. It's time to talk about NPL New South Wales women's first grade. We are in the midst of a fascinating season, and one of the key players you probably know her from Team of the Week graphics almost every week of the season, from Arpia Leichhardt, it's Rihanna Policina. Minnie, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. So, uh, a, a fantastic time for women's football. Uh, it, it is fascinating. Uh, some A-League women's players are having an off-season. Some are going on holiday to Europe. You are playing and you are starring every week. It must be and that little extra bit of motivation to know that the World Cup is on at the same time as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's a great time for women's football and on home soil. So, we get to experience it as footballers and it's, it's never going to happen while we're around so trying to get to as many games as possible and yeah look it's really enjoyable to have a world cup here 
Now, Rihanna, um, you know, Arpia is the team to beat this season by the looks of it. You've only had one loss out of the entire season. We have to know what's the secret. There's what's the method to the madness. You have to let us know. To be honest with you, I think it's just been hard work and we've got some players that have come from the A-League women's, um, but we've also got players that haven't played in that A-League before and they they are shining um, and we've come together and we're really clicking as a team and you can see that on the field and while we weren't there, us A-League girls weren't there, um, the girls were performing, they were working hard week in, week out and it paid off. They had a strong start to the season and then we've come in and added a little bit more to it's been quality from the girls and it's a credit to not only 11 that play every week, it's the whole reserve grade squad and first grade squad that back it up. Beautiful. And MacArthur Rams are very closely coming in at second place on the ladder. What are some of the chats going on in the change rooms and at training to ensure that Arpia is staying in front of the Rams and on top of that table? Yeah, we take game by, by game. As you can see, we, we fell to Bankstown a few weeks ago and we know we've got um, Blacktown coming up and then Rams. So every week we take the team coming and look at them and see see what their strengths, see what their weaknesses. But yeah, as I said, game by game, uh, we know MacArthur Rams have a lot of quality players. We know they're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, but yeah, as I said, we'll focus on Blacktown first and then we've got the Rams coming up. And, you know, not only have you been a junior Matilda yourself, but you've also played with other A-League women. What would you say has been your career highlight thus far? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, putting me on the spot here. Yet to come, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, just getting back in the A-League would definitely be a career highlight for me. Um, making my move to Newcastle Jets and then building on that, moving to Melbourne City and progressing with my football even more there. Um, playing alongside some quality players um, at Melbourne City would would definitely be a career highlight for me. Um, But, yeah, my future is just getting better and better week in and week out. Can I be a better footballer on and off the field and and see where where, um, football takes me, I guess. How does it feel to know that uh, all around the country, coaches with players who might be disappointed that they've missed out on the A-League women's or they were in the system and dropped out of the system, that every single coach around the country can point to you as the role model of how to work hard, of how to come back to an NPL level and just prove yourself all over again and not just prove yourself but become a top player in the A-League women's. I mean, does it, do you get some satisfaction from knowing that even though you're still really only in the middle of your career and there's a long way to go, that you're now a role model for so many players around the country and coaches all over the country are probably using you as the blueprint and example of how to bounce back from a disappointment? Yeah, well, thank you for that, T. I really appreciate the, the nice words there. Um, but, yeah, it's like footballers are uh, a youth player and, yeah, kind of lost my love for the game, but... I- as I said, I just want to continue to reach my peak and potentially see where f- um, football takes me, whether that be overseas or playing for the Matildas one day. Like, yeah, I'm just happy where I am at the moment and, yeah, I just want to continue to build on that. Now, I want to ask about some of your Arpia teammates because Ashley Crofts is leading the Golden Boot, but she's also taken over scoring penalties and Arpia are very good at scoring penalties and winning penalties but did you have a training ground showdown in order to determine who the penalty taker is or was that your coach Spencer Pry did he come over the top and say all right from now on Ash gets penalties? Uh, no I, I took a couple of penalties at the start of the season and I think I was um, 
injured for one of the games when we versed Bankstown and we actually got a penalty and Crofty st- stepped up and she buried that penalty with the amount of force and power she got behind the ball. I was like, I'm not just going to come back and take it off you. Do you have it? Um, and she's proven week in and week out why she's so good at them. Um, and, and that's why she's a top goal scorer as well, like not just from penalties, but she's a medical finisher. And you made mention there of some of the players in, in the RPL lineup that haven't had that exposure to A-League women's level yet, but they're the ones that started the season and have many of them have stayed in and around the first team. What do you make of, of that mix? Because so many other teams around New South Wales NPL have the same balancing act at the moment. We're probably still a few years away from uh, full-time A-League women's contracts, meaning that you wouldn't have to go back maybe to NPL in the off-season if you wanted to. But what do you make of some of those players that are stepping up and, and really going toe-to-toe with some of the top players in the country every week? Yeah, for sure. Um, and as, as I put into perspective with my team, um, there's so many players that could be playing in that A-League and maybe they just haven't been seen yet. So I said, like Holly and I and Chico say to them all the time, be patient, be patient. All you need is one or two good games and two people watching. Who like? There's always people watching and you just need to make a name for yourself in the league and then potentially you'll get a call. So like, I'm lucky enough that I'm playing with really strong MPL players that potentially can for that A-League and if they get their chance, I know they'll they'll do well in the A-League as well. All right. Uh, we're going to bring it home with Henley asking you some rapid fire. We like to try to get this done in 60 seconds. So instant reaction, first thing that comes to mind. Henley, take it away. All righty. So we have, who is the most, discul- the most difficult player you've played against? Most difficult player I've played against would be... Um, sorry, this is hard. That's okay. I'm going to say... Tenure. Was, is, are these NPL players or just anyone? No, NPL, anyone. N, n, it can be anyone, but NPL players, uh, if one comes to mind. Okay, tenure. Okay, beautiful. And the toughest NPL New South Wales away trip? I'm going to say Manly. Arsenal or Chelsea women's? Chelsea. And the go-to pump-up playlist? Bit of R&B. Who, who controls it in the RPA rooms? Is that something that you have a hand in or is there a player who takes command? Uh, Ash Crofts has taken over. <laughs> Do you agree with that? It sounds like you might not. Nah, she plays a bit of everything, so I'm quite happy. She's keeping everyone happy. <laughs> and the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup winner? At this point in time, I'm going to call it and I'm going to say Spain. Oh, okay. And favourite Matilda? Viney, Corny Vine. Lovely. And the go-to pre-game meal? Uh, chicken and rice. Last but not least, who is an up-and-comer RPA youth player that we all need to watch out for? Leah Di Oliverio. Beautiful. Oh, I've, I've seen her play in some of your senior games this season. It's not a bad shout. Uh, Rihanna Polisina, good luck for the rest of the home and away season and then the finals after that. No doubt you will figure prominently. And uh, thank you for making the NPL New South Wales women's the top NPL in the country. We love it. And uh, thank you for joining us on kickoff today. Thank you so much. Plenty more guests coming up on Kickoff, the Football New South Wales podcast for competitions, NPL and leagues. Football New South Wales invites clubs and associations to join the celebration and register your community events ahead of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Head to 2023.footballnewsouthwales.com.au to submit your event.
So it's time to talk about NPL New South Wales men's first grade. And we go right up to the pointy end of the title race and welcome in a legend of Blacktown City. It is Travis Major. Travis, great to have you on Kickoff, the Football New South Wales podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Pleasure to be here. So, Travis, the title race is still very close. And at that at this point, it's anyone's game, especially between those second, third and fourth teams on the ladder. Blacktown has been in exceptional form. How does your team plan to keep this momentum going? Yeah, look, about seven weeks ago, um, Crudo sat us down and he said, look, it's not, uh, won't be the first time that this club's gone on a 10-game unbeaten run if we can you know, get something kick-started. Um, so he sort of called it seven weeks ago that we'd gone on a bit of run and um, we were sort of due because earlier in the year we were creating a lot of chances and then just results weren't going our way and then some key injuries that, you know, key times really let us down. But the last seven weeks we've sort of, found our groove and, you know, plays are flying and the goals are flying in and we've tightened up the defence. I think we've only copped three or four goals in the last seven games. So, you know, we're just taking it week by week and we're just trying to disrupt everyone else. Arpia, realistically, is probably a little bit too far away from us. I think we've left our run a little bit too late. But if we could finish second, we'd be pretty happy with that based on how our season went in the beginning. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about like the start of your season because there was a bit of a mixed bags of results for Blacktown. However, you know, we're all seeing that there's been an upward trajectory of wins for you guys, as I said earlier. So besides coach sitting you down and, you know, giving you the right act as such, was there anything else that acted as a bit of a, you know, kick for you guys and like initiated that turnaround of results? Uh, we had a bit of a tweak in a formation. Um, so obviously we lost a fair few amount of attackers. So, you know, originally we were going to be all attack, you know, three, four strikers on at once, just trying to score as many as we could. And then, um, you know, we lost some key players and then Crito tweaked with a few formations. And then we found one that's really stuck the last seven weeks. And it's just giving um, players that's playing into their strengths. So we've got, you know, TJ and Lynchy bombing down the flanks, which have been super for us. And then Jack O'Brien, you know, has been just the player of the season for us. He's probably up there for the gold medal in the whole comp. As it stands, you know, he's been flying. Um, and luckily enough, we were still able to win on the weekend without him. But we'll be um, we'll be buzzing to have him back this Saturday. Now, it's great for you to give credit to your teammates and your coach. But let's be honest, it coincides with your return from injury, doesn't it? Oh, I think that's, just, <laughs> I think that's coincidental. <laughs> I might try and claim it to Crito, but uh, I don't think it's as much part to do with that as just the team just clicked at the right time. Now, Blacktown City blood just seems to run through your veins. Um, starting off, you know, 2005 is your junior career there, then working your way up into senior teams. And, you know, even though you've gone overseas, you've always ended up coming back to Blacktown. What was the reasoning for this? What does Blacktown have that, you know, other teams might not have? I think we've just got such a culture around this club that anybody that has ever left, if you ask them behind the scenes, they'll say they regret it and they'd love to come back. We've just got a great culture amongst the boys and if it's, if you don't um, get along, you sort of you got to get moved along. So we have a policy that it's a, a no something head policy. Uh, I don't want to swear <laughs> on here. Um, so if you don't fit in, you get moved on pretty quickly, and that's not even something that Crudo needs to you know police himself. The boys are pretty pretty hard on newcomers and people that need to adapt to the culture here, um, and that's why you find that you know we've got players that have been here five, six, seven years and you know have no interest in leaving. Boys like you know Lynchy's been here for a long time. Louis's been here since he was a kid. You know we've got juniors that, that are coming through in Carlos de Oliveira, Caleb Jackson Brown, Tyron Burney. You know they've all been through our youth structure. So you know very rarely is there many new players that come in because we've just got such a consistent um, players from years gone by that stay around, and it's easy to keep them when we're successful. So we don't really need to have a big turnover each year. 
And with that said, the transfer window falling where it does sort of at two-thirds through the season rather than closer to halfway, it also means that you really have to put the work in to set up the team you want at the start of the campaign. But one player who's come in, and I've, I've seen him live a couple of times now, um, Nacho Palacios uh, from Spain, as I understand it. What's he been like as an addition to the team? Does he speak English or uh, is football the universal language? And how have you found his integration into the first team? No, Nacho's been really good. He speaks fluent English. Um, he's been out here for a few months. He lives out at Bondi. He's been really good. You know, he's got a, a really nice left foot. He's just such a positive energy around the team. Um, you know, he's a bit of a jokester and has a bit of a laugh. He's got a bit of flair up the back, so it gives us a bit of um, a scare every now and then when he does a Maradona spin coming out of the back back line. <laughs> but um, look, as you saw on the weekend, uh, he had a hand in the second goal and he scored the third goal. Um, so just his ball, ball playing out from the back, just, you know, he's able to split passes to, you know, get people like we want on the ball, like Mario Chabau, as often as we can. You've had quite the career overseas as well. Can you give us a bit of insight of what it was like playing in these countries? Yeah, so um, India was, you know, a difficult experience because I went over during COVID. So the whole eight months I was there, I was in hotel isolation pretty much. Gosh. So you could only leave your hotel room to go train or play and if you even for your meals you had to get escorted down in a escalator just to have your meals so I don't really think I got to experience the full culture of India um, so that was a difficult one but the the four years I spent in Hong Kong that was just unbelievable yeah the only reason I ever came back from there was during COVID otherwise I probably would still be there now uh, as far as um, yeah ambitions from here is it Blacktown to the end of your playing career and have you put a, a limit on it uh, I mean obviously you had an injury that you've come back from with flying colors this season but are you the sort of player that can imagine playing into your late 30s or have you have you set sort of uh, goals for what you want to achieve before you're, you're happy to call time no, I, I don't think I've really put a time on it. Um, I think, you know, when your body starts to let you down, you'll sort of know. This year was, you know, the first time I've ever actually missed a game. So I think uh, I feel like I'm still in pretty good nick. And obviously the injury kept me out for seven weeks, which is unfortunate and bad timing. But um, I don't feel like my body's 33 yet, which is obviously a positive thing. So, um, you know, as long as Crito wants me around and I'm, and I'm a, you know, important part of the team, then I'll be here as long as I can. But I think once my time comes and I know it and they know it, they'll probably give me the tap and uh, I'll be ready to move on. Now, you, you, you're you going to own a little piece of history, at least for the foreseeable future, because winning the Robbie Slater medal for last year's grand final, and now that it's first past the post in the NPL, means that um, uh, we're not going to have uh, anyone following you on the honour roll, at least for the the medium-term future. And I guess while going to first past the post and increasing the size of the league created about 100 extra games for the competition, it does make it uh, a lot more cutthroat in terms of actually being able to win a championship. How does it leave you feeling, given that we've spoken about the run that Blacktown City's on, maybe leaving it a little bit late, but also the consequences for dropping points rather than simply making the six and hitting form at the right time? You really now do have to test yourself over the entire duration of the season. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, it's uh, it's cutthroat now with a 30-week season. So to every week, three points is critical. You know, we got off to a slightly bad run through that middle section on a you know seven or eight game span where we didn't didn't pick up as many points as we'd, we'd like, which was probably the main factor that you know halted our premiership aspirations. Yeah, so it's it's a difficult one dropping those points and then 
trying to pick up from there. But hopefully next year, with any luck, there could be some finals back, but you never know. Um, I've Having been brought up in Australia, I always love uh, a grand final. I just I feel like the big days is something we really look forward to. And if there was finals, we're peaking at the right time, but unfortunately not to be this year. Now, Travis, it's be said that, you know, you literally live and breathe football, especially with Blacktown, but not only do you play with their first grade men's side, but you also, you know, do a bit of the behind the scenes kind of work as the operations manager there. What's it like on that admin side of things? Has it given you a bit of a, you know, newfound appreciation for that side or? Yeah, 100%. You don't, you don't sort of realise how much goes on behind the scenes to run a club until you're actually um, contributing to it. You know, I'd just play last year and be like, why isn't this done? Where's this? And now I'm the one that's having to do this and they're saying, where's this? Where's that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, my bad, boys. I'll get to it. Um, but, you know, it's really good. So myself and Crito um, are here full time. So Crito obviously is, you know, the head of football and every other hat that he wears, he does everything for the club. So working with him on a day-to-day basis, you know, he gives me a lot of advice and shows me a lot of things. And then we've obviously got a great board of directors who have vast experience in you know, plenty of different areas of business and running facilities and insurance and admin and all the things that go with it. So um, I've always got people to bounce stuff off and just as learn as I go. So very grateful they gave me the opportunity. You know, the club's going really well. So fingers crossed I can keep that going. No, it, it does sound very promising, yeah, both on the pitch and off. Now, uh, Travis, to bring us home, Henley's going to go into a, a bit of rapid fire for the next 60 seconds. So <laughs> yep. first answer that comes to mind, Henley, take it away. Alrighty, so we've got first up, who's the most difficult player you've played against? The most difficult? Yeah. Um, from the MPL, I'm going to say Temba. He's big, he's strong, he's quick, he reads the game well. So yeah, RPS Temba from MPL. Beautiful. And what's the toughest MPL New South Wales away trip you've had so far? Ooh, I'm going to say Arpia just because their ground's so small. and It's not my favourite place to go. It seems to be a bit of a trend going on here with RPA. Hey? <laughs> little boutique stadium. So Messi or Ronaldo? Um, I prefer Ronaldo, but I can admit Messi's better. Good, good. Pre-game meal? Uh, Subway at the moment. Yep, and the pre-game pump-up playlist. Oh, I'm actually banned from on the music. Carlos has taken over, but he's actually given me one song a week I can put on from the 70s or 80s. So what's what, this week? What got you banned? Is it just <laughs> you, your teammates aren't, think that the, the music's just a bit dated, is it? Or Yeah, they prefer all the, the, the new stuff. Carlos is, you know, 22, so he wants all the... <laughs> The R&B and the dance music and a few of us older boys want the, the slower, older stuff, but I'll let the young boys take it over. And who is your favourite Matildas player? Um, I'm going to say Steph Catley. Yep. And the up-and-comer at Blacktown City, a youth player that we all need to watch out for? Um, oh, you've got me on the spot there. There's a young boy that's been training with us a bit named Hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's Julian Rodriguez, who's a left footer that's in our 18s, um, probably be 20s next year and train with first grade. So those two, in my opinion. Okay, beautiful. And last but not least, the favourite away ground to play at Fair and Peel. Favourite away ground. I'm going to say Wynn Stadium is usually pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to say Wynn Stadium just because it's, it's nice in general. The grass is good, good stadium. Especially if you go down there in the warmer months, I reckon, too. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> not, not a windy Friday. Uh, no, well, look, uh, your team, uh, it's, it's been a fascinating second half of the season. Far from over, there's still 15 points to play for. And, of course, uh, you yourself are in great form, too. So, Travis Major, thanks so much for giving us an insight into Blacktown City and also your football. And thanks for joining us on Kickoff. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
So that's our focus on NPL New South Wales men's for now. Stay with us, though, on kickoff. We'll be talking about the women's game next. Dicks it over the top. She can strike him. She's gone direct. Step over and, oh, how's a little flick from Eunice? And she's found the top corner. Watch every NPL New South Wales game live, free and on demand with NPL.tv or download the app on your mobile device. Flicked it across, it's back now with Marky Petrados! And they've done it! MITRE is the official ball sponsor of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League's competitions. Visit MITRE Sports Australia for all your football needs. MITRE. A different league. Now on kickoff, it's time to get into our league's focus. And today it is League One Women's. We've got Sarah Ferris from the University of New South Wales women's team on the show. Sarah, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on here. I'm excited too because I'm going to hand this over to Henley, who is, of course, uh, a very close uh, affiliate of the University of New South Wales women's program. So, Henley, take it away. Alrighty, I'm so excited to have you on today, Sarah. (laughs) So you've just come off a massive win with a 2-1 win over Central Coast Mariners. I've seen the videos and the absolute scenes that were in the change room after that win. What did that win mean to the girls after just beating the team on top of the ladder? Oh yeah, look, we we knew we went into that game knowing that that was it was going to make or break our season. You know, we've we dropped a few points recently and. um, it was a must-win game for us, and and I think just we were all so motivated for the game. We were up for it, and we went one nil down. I could see everyone just being a little bit like, "Oh no, you know, th- this isn't how it's meant to go." And then so to come back and to win, um, yeah, it means a lot to the club, and, and we know we're still in the run. You know, it's still a way to go, but we're, we're in the running still for what our goal is, which is that promotion. So it was, yeah, it was a huge win for us, and, and meant a lot to everyone in the club. As it's worked out over the last three months, we've had guests on from Central Coast and Hills United. Now we're speaking to your team as well. Is the season actually shaping out the way you might have imagined or have there been a few more twists and turns along the way than you envisaged? Um, look, I think um, the teams that we knew would be the strongest opponents are in the positions in, in the league that we, that we thought they probably would be. Like I, I think we were pretty certain it would be between um, our Central Coast Hills and St George. We just thought it would probably be that those as the top four. You know, there have been other teams that have really stepped up and and given us a run for our money. You know, like Mount Druitt, they've they're a very different team to last season. Um, same with teams like Sutherland Shire. You know, they always come out strong, um, especially as they're quite a young a young team as well. So there's definitely been the twists and turns in terms of those fixtures that that have been a lot tougher. Um, than we thought they would be. But but for sure, I think the top four teams that are there now are definitely the ones we were expecting to be. You know, you're talking about all these top four teams. However, I'm proud to say that our girls are the only New South Wales senior first grade team to remain undefeated at the moment. What a like moment for the club. Can you give us an insight as to what that has what has been the driving force between this absolutely huge achievement? Um, I think, you know, we went into the season with a very clear goal and that was promotion. And, and you've definitely been able to see over the last couple of years the, the time, the investment, um, the effort that's going in from the uni on the women's football. And I think just when you are, when that's put into, 
something that you're doing, you can, you know, you recognise it and it gives you a, a little bit more of motivation. I know all the girls are really excited to be involved in it, which which only helps with, you know, that drive to perform for for the colours of UNSW. So I think just seeing everything that's going on in the background um, for the club has really kind of instilled that that urge to, you know, really just want to do well for for the whole club. So I think that's really helped, you know. If we can talk about uh, some some bigger picture matters at the moment, um, tell us about some of the other hats and roles that you have in football because we're at the height of Women's World Cup fever at the moment. It's a great opportunity to be growing the game and I imagine that this is something that's quite close to your heart. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, seeing the opportunities that girls have compared to when I was their age, uh, you know, it's it's incredible. And actually, I was at the Matildas game um, with with half of Sydney, I think, judging by my Instagram page. And <laughs> just to see 75,000 people there supporting the women's game, whether they were there for the Matildas or Ireland or just there as a football fan, it, it's, I actually found it really overwhelming. I got quite emotional because I was I remember being when I was like 10 years old, we got given free tickets to go and watch the women's play. And, and they'd be in these tiny stadiums with, you know, a few hundred people would be there, most of them young kids given tickets to go and, and see the games and, and just to see how far it's come and even I was at France against Jamaica and there was 39,000 people there and that's for a game of two countries that you know are you know France is strong but they're not massively renowned for people to go and follow them to to get 39,000 people there so yeah it's actually um, really exciting to see but I think just back to the original question is I um I coach um girls SAP teams um and as well as work for Sydney FC within the community, which obviously is a big part of that is promoting the sport as a whole. Um but I have a bit I do have a big focus within the role on that female side of it, especially this year with the Women's World Cup and and with a hope to see um the growth there in the sport. How how important is it to have a hands-on role in, in actually a lot of a lot of people throw the word legacy around when it comes to the World Cup, but is it satisfying to know that a job like yours actually can be the legacy in terms of growing crowds, growing attention, and thus growing the game? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think roles like this are so important, and it it's just it's not even just the role. You know, I I know. A, it sounds like I'm going to blow my own trumpet, but I know that me being involved in so many different parts of the game inspires a lot of the girls I coach. So, so a lot of the girls, they come and watch me play or they'll see me at Sydney FC games working. And I know that just encourages them to understand that there's more to the game than just playing and or, or it inspires them to be like, wow, Sarah's like within football all the time. I want to be within football all the time. So I think um, – Roles like this are so important, not just to drive the growth, but just for an inspire, like to be an inspiration to to those young kids. You know, on the topic of inspirations, though, like when I go to games at Village Green, I see the way you interact with those younger girls, and you're such a great model, role model to many of those girls. You've always got you know a smile on your dial, there to help. You know, especially the girls in the, in the girls' youth league, they look up to you. What would be the one piece of advice that you'd give these young ones? Um, just to, I guess, grab every opportunity with both hands, work hard, you know, don't, don't take anything for granted, um, especially with the opportunities that they have now, you know, go big for sure. And, and yeah, I think the biggest thing is work hard and don't let any opportunities go, you know, it's, it's, it's like such a good environment and just such a good 
pathway there for them that um I just I for me I just want them to just realize like actually what what playing football can actually be now it can be a career um, but yeah, hard work definitely is the number one. Keep working hard. Well, and speaking of that hard work, I understand that you are one of 15 members of the Legacy Coach Developer course. Tell us what that is and uh, for the benefit of our audience, what, what does that entail um, and the ongoing role it's had uh, in your coaching? Um, yeah, it, actually it's um, we've had the one session. So it's been, there was 15 of us all female coaches that are being put through the coach education kind of workshop which means that we can then go and lead um like mini roos and skills training coach coaching courses um i know there's a big space out there for a lot of associations to have female only coaching courses and that's to be and and obviously females we kind of um react better to each other and especially in an environment like this um so i think it's you know, Football New South Wales' goal is to have more females, like, educating female coaches. Um, and I know it's something that I've kind of spoken to a lot of people about. It's definitely something that I, I want to be – I've wanted to be involved in in a while. So it's um, actually a great um, idea from, from Football New South Wales. But for me, it just means that I can keep spreading that kind of – female football love and trying to get more females involved in the game, give them the confidence uh, and that, that, you know, again, inspiring just to be like, you can do it. Females belong in this industry and there's a place for us. They just need that encouragement. Well, Sarah, UNSW is shaping up to have a very impressive season. I know I, for one, am very excited to see how the rest of it goes. Thank you so much for joining us on kickoff today. Best of luck with the rest of the season. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. So that's it for kickoff this week. Henley Warner, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. What an episode it's been. Uh, hard to believe that by the time we next record, we will know who won the Women's World Cup. Do you think it'll be the Matildas, Henley? I really want to be hopeful and optimistic. So I'm going to say yes. I'm Go Tillies, Matildas all the way. And hopefully next time we're recording this podcast, we've got, a, got some green and gold winning. <laughs> all right. Well, we will be back with kickoff in a month. However, look out for the Football New South Wales Community Podcast in the coming weeks, covering some of the great people, stories and initiatives from around the football family. On behalf of Henley Warner and our production team, my name is Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks so much for joining us on Kickoff, the Football New South Wales podcast for NPL New South Wales and League's competitions. We'll speak to you next time. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. Yeah. It is the moment. Yeah.